Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of our trying God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here and also to those who have joined us via the live stream. May the preaching of the gospel this afternoon give us a new appreciation of what it means to be a part of the Holy Catholic Christian Church and to enjoy communion together as a body of Christ. This afternoon the worship service will be led by Reverend Simon, minister from the Free Reform Church of Kelmscott. Before we begin, let us sing together Psalm 133, verse 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, please rise. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing in response to God's greeting from Psalm 122. My heart exalted, I was glad when I heard eager voices call. Psalm 122, the verses 1 and 2.
Brothers and sisters, now that we have come together here to worship the Lord our God and with that to do so with the Church of All Times and Places, let's also join us to Church of All Times and Places by professing our undoubted Holy Catholic Christian faith with words of the Apostles' Creed. So let us do it by singing him too.
Brothers and sisters, let us not pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that also this afternoon we can come together as your congregation. Father, you called us together. It is your will that we come together and that we listen to the preaching of your word. It is your will that we come together as your people and that together we have communion with you. You have given us this one day in a week that we have the time to come to the church services because you want to see your people together, your holy Catholic church. And we thank you that you gather your church all over the world, that we may know also that we, by faith, are living members of this holy Catholic church, but also that you have given us to each other as members of your church here in Southern River as a communion of saints, in which we all may surround each other with our care, encourage each other, and also admonish each other wherever necessary. Father, you know that we need this, and therefore you have given this to us through your Holy Spirit. And you unite us through your Holy Spirit as all as members of the one body of Christ. Father, give us then also this afternoon, now that we are here together, to listen to what your word teaches us about the Holy Catholic Church, that we are willing to listen to your word and submit to your word, that it may govern our entire life and all the decisions which you make. Help us then that we may recognize sin and evil, that we resist all evil in everything, that we may be guided by your word and your Holy Spirit. Father, fill our hearts with joy and thankfulness and receive our sacrifices of thankfulness which we bring to you in our worship, in our prayers, our songs, our offerings, in all that we do, that everything may be to the glory of your name. We pray this in the name of your Son, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's read from God's word from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 12. First Corinthians 12, there we read about the spiritual gifts which Christ has given to his body, and his one body with many members. And there it speaks about the congregation of the believers, the church. And that's also what we will hear this afternoon, what the Word of God teaches about the church, the communion of saints, the Holy Catholic Church, as summarized in Lossi 21. So let us now first read 1 Corinthians 12. Then we read the Word of God. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who appoints to each one individually as he wills. But just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jesus, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as this, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing from hymn 52, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. Let us sing verse 1 and 2.
Brothers and sisters, let us now read Lord Street 21 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord Street 21. There we read what the Church summarized about the Church. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? I believe that the Son of God, out of the whole human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers defense and preserves for himself, by his spirit and word, in the unity of the true faith, a church chosen to everlasting life. And I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of it. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that believers, all and everyone, as members of Christ, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that everyone is duty-bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the, for the benefit and well-being of the other members. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins, nor my sinful nature against which I have to struggle all my life, but will graciously grant me the righteousness of Christ, that I may never come into condemnation. Brothers and sisters, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the topic of the church has become a difficult topic among us. Why is it so difficult? Because so many of us have our own opinions and our own thoughts about it, and we add a lot to the discussion, which makes it complicated. We quote writers from the past who have done things wrong or did things right, and it all has to be added to the discussion. But if you look at the Word of God, as it is summarized in Lord's Day 21 of the Heidelberg Catechism, it does not need to be complicated. The Bible describes us the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is gathering all believers together in one body, his body, the Holy Catholic Church. And this Holy Catholic Church is gathered worldwide, all over the world. And how do you become a member of the Holy Catholic Church? Well, Lord's Day 7 says that by faith I am grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. It is by faith that I am a member of the Holy Catholic Church. But then the Catechism also says, yes, but there it doesn't stop because if you become a member of the Holy Catholic Church, then you are also responsible for your fellow members. You cannot become a member as an individualist. No, you belong together. If you love God, John says in his letters, then you love your neighbor as well. If you love God, you love also Christ's body, the church. And 
And the Catechism speaks here about the communion of saints. We as believers in the body of Christ are being brought together by God. And in every place God is gathering his church. And here in Southern River he is gathering his church here, the Free from Church of Southern River, of which you are members. And if you are members of a church, then you are members of the communion of saints. And you have a responsibility towards each other. So that is what the Bible teaches us about the church. In the first place, it's God's work. God calls his church. Jesus Christ calls his church. But in the second place, all those who are called have a responsibility. And they have to obey the head of the church, Jesus Christ, and come together in the communion of saints, the local church. And that's the gospel as the summarized in Lord's 21. And I will say more about it this afternoon in this sermon. And I summarized the preaching under this theme, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of Christ's body. In the first place, called by Christ to be his body. Second, united by Christ into his body. And third, redeemed by Christ to live as his body. And you may already have recognized it. Point one follows answer 54, point two, 55, and point three, 56. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of Christ's body, called by Christ to be his body. The Holy Catholic Church is gathered worldwide. All over the earth, brothers and sisters in the faith are being united. Even though we don't know them. But we know that we have brothers and sisters in, in, in China, in, in Africa, in North America, in South America, all over the world. Christ is gathering his church. The word has gone out. The word is being preached and the Spirit works, and people come to faith. We know that, we hear that, and even though we don't know those persons, we still can call them brothers and sisters, because we all belong to the same body of Christ. The one body, the Holy Catholic Church, the many members who come together in the local churches, and there it is where the church becomes visible. Local members are needed locally. You can compare it with the body. The body has a hand. Hand is a part of the body. But the hand also consists of several fingers, five fingers. And every finger is, is needed. If you miss one finger, it will make it difficult for the hand to do its work. So a local congregation is part of the body of Christ, but also each individual member of it is part of the body of Christ through the local congregation. The local church, that is where the members come together where they know each other, where they help each other, where they are all together, united in being part of the body. And we see in the Bible that Jesus Christ sent seven letters to the local churches in Asia. And the apostles sent letters to the local churches. The churches in Corinth, in, in Rome, in Galatia, in Ephesia, the Philippians, the Colossians, Galatians. Those local churches are all a local church in itself but at the same time part of the Holy Catholic Church. And in this Holy Catholic Church, God, Jesus Christ, gives office bearers to the local congregation, there where the members come together, there where the communion of saints function, there God gives supervision over the members in the office bearers. 
And we have to note, brothers and sisters, that God did not appoint office bearers to be head of the worldwide church or cardinals to have a certain part of the church or bishops to have a certain area. But he appointed the office bearers in the local congregation, there where the members are together, come together and work together. There where they must be supervised. There God gives office bearers. And all those office bearers in local congregations do their work in faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And it is remarkable if you go traveling over the world and in other parts of the world, you will also find churches with local office bearers. But you feel one with them because we are all united in the one faith. How is that possible without a worldwide organization? Not one company would be able to do that. But that is the church, because the church has Jesus Christ as the head. The head governs the whole body. But then Satan, who sees that, Satan is jealous and attempts to scatter the believers, get them away from the body, tear the church apart so that parts of the body will will leave the church and, and will, will be left to die. But then Christ, the head of the church, prayed for his church to be one. In John 17, well, we all know that it's a very impressive prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ as his high priest just before he is handed over. But how he prays for his disciples, how he prays for his church, that they may be one. He prays in verse 11, verse 22 and 23, I in them and you in me. That unity, I in them and you in me. God in the Son. And the Son in his church. The one body. The body of Jesus Christ. A close unity. So that oneness, that unity of the church, it is more than just being in one church or one federation. Yes, we have unity within the Federation of Free from Churches of Australia. But that is not the only true church. Christ is gathering his church all over the world. And all over the world there are church, churches, local churches, church federations which belong to the body of Christ. And we are one with them. Not because we are in one federation, but because we have the one same head, Jesus Christ. And we have the same faith. And, and the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit works in us. And as such, we are one with the Holy Catholic Church. All believers are one with him, and he is in them. The body of Christ in this world. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3 and 4, we read about the one Spirit. Paul repeats that, repeats that they're the same Spirit, the one Spirit. And it is this one spirit that governs the whole body. And it is this one spirit that makes things happen which we don't always understand. But we find people at other parts of the world. We recognize them as brothers. God brings us together. We can help each other as sister churches or in other ways. And in that way the spirit works. Just like in a body. If you look at how wonder marvelous the body is composed by the Lord our God. Have you ever tried in a dark night and you can't see 
anything? Have you tried to bring your hand to your nose? Or to bring your hand to your foot? And if your body functions well, it, it, it works. Even though you don't see it. And it's a brain that coordinates everything. Without the brain, it would not have been possible. Well, that is also in the body of Christ. It is the spirit of Christ who dwells in Christ as the head and dwells in us as Christ's members. He directs us and therefore things are happening which no company, how well structured on this earth, would ever be able to do. No human wisdom would ever be able to achieve. That is the Holy Catholic Church, all part of one body. It is interesting when we read what Paul writes about the body of Christ. We read 1 Corinthians 12 about the one body with many members. But we should not forget that just before this chapter in 1 Corinthians 11, there he speaks about the body of Christ in connection with the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11 is such a beautiful chapter. Paul speaks about the body in three different meanings. The body of Christ as the Holy Catholic Church. The body of Christ as, as the flesh of Christ, the bread and the wine, as, as signs and seals of the, of, of the body and blood of Christ. And then he speaks about the local congregation as, as the body of Christ. If you do not discern the body, if you do not see the local congregation as the body of Christ, then, and, and then you eat the body and drink the blood of the Lord, and you eat and drink judgment upon yourself, Paul says there. And then after that, he goes to chapter 12, and there he speaks about the body in which all members are needed. The body has received many gifts, but it is one spirit. The body belongs together because it is governed by the one spirit. And this image of the body is, is used more often throughout the Bible. In Ephesians 4, there we read how Christ who ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, and those gifts are given apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers to build up the body of Christ to mature manhood. And in Ephesians 5, again, when Paul speaks about marriage, there, Paul compares the relationship between husband and wife as between Christ and his church. And he says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So the body of Christ. And keep that in mind whenever you speak about the church. It's the body of Christ. We are all by faith are members of the body. Members from all over the world. But members brought together in the local congregation, the communion of saints. And this church stands in this world. The church of Southern River stands in Southern River and shows to this world what it means to be body of Christ. The body of Christ becoming visible here in the area of Southern River. In 1 Timothy 3 verse 15, the church being called a pillar and ground of the truth. So the word is the truth. The word of God is the truth. The word became flesh in Jesus Christ. And now it is the church that preaches the word. So anybody who sees the church, anybody who hears the church, 
should see this truth of the word of God because the church is the witness of Jesus Christ. The church preaches Jesus Christ and him crucified to the world. This church governed by Christ's spirit. He uses the preaching of the word that happens by the mouth of the church. It's a preaching by human beings, ministers ordained in a local church. And here in the church, the church makes sure that the preaching of the word continues and that the preaching of the word goes out to the world. And in this way, the body of Christ becomes visible and hearable in the world. And when people listen to the preaching of the church and they reject the preaching, then with that they don't reject this group of Christians, which call themselves free from church of Southern River, but they reject the body of Christ, and with that they reject Jesus Christ. Let's keep that in mind, brothers and sisters, that we stand in this world as body of Christ. And we have a task in this world to show the truth of the word of Christ by the preaching, but also by our daily life. The world will hate and persecute Christ. But Jesus Christ says, because they persecute Jesus Christ, they will also, also persecute his disciples. They will also persecute the church. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, Peter writes, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but who now, but, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So we stand in this world as a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, with a task to proclaim, proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Proclaim, everyone, each of you, the whole people, proclaim. We stand in this world for Christ. It is not about us in this world. It is not about our own position. It's all about Jesus Christ. And it's all about God the Father. And therefore, if you're being persecuted, don't worry. That is what they did to Christ as well. And that shows that you're members of Christ. That shows that you're preaching the word of Christ. It is through Jesus Christ that God's mercy comes to this world. It is through Jesus Christ that we all have received mercy. Because God is the one who has chosen us to everlasting life. Before the creation of the world, as the Bible teaches us, he chose us in Christ. And now in Christ, we receive life by being united with him by faith in his body. Christ the head obtained for us a true righteousness and holiness. And now he gives it to us because we are his body. We share in everything that the head has obtained. Christ made us righteous. Christ sanctifies us through his spirit. Christ makes us one body with him. And now we have communion with him through the spirit. We share in all his treasures and gifts, the Catechism says in answer 55. And we'll get to that later. We're all united in Christ. And united in Christ, we are filled with the joy of Christ. We share this joy with our fellow believers because we are all part of the one body. 
We share our joy. We encourage each other. We encourage those who need encouragement so they also, those who are bowed down, those who are depressed, those who are suffering, they also may share with us in the joy of Christ that we all may share in all his treasures and gifts, that we are righteous before God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, that we may have eternal life. But first of all comes that we are one with Jesus Christ. And because we are one with Jesus Christ, we can do so. We can share with each other in the joys, in the treasures and gifts of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the communion of saints. No one in the congregation of Christ may live uncomforted under the pressure of sickness, loneliness, and poverty. We read in the form for the ordination of elders and deacons, and this is part of the deacons, the task of the deacons, and of the communion of saints. So poor or rich, young or old, healthy or sick, lonely or not lonely, all share in Christ's treasures and gifts, and share abundantly in it, in the joy of God's people. And that's how it was in the Old Testament already. God had one people, and his one people were told to celebrate together. God told them to bring a tithe every year. Well, how did it go? Well, they had to bring a tithe every year. They had to bring it to Jerusalem, and if they could not carry it because it was too much, they had to sell it and bring the money to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, on the feasts, they should come together with the priests, the Levites, the poor, the widows, the orphans, all those who could not provide. They had to come together and share their tithe with them all, so that as an entire people, they all could share in the joy of God's blessings. And once every three years, they had to bring a tithe to the gates of their towns. And there it was stored for those who during the year needed it, during the years. And that was how God brought his people together. God wanted the people that was living together, caring together, celebrating together God's great deeds. Because that was what it was all about. God wanted them to celebrate because they had reason to celebrate. They had to proclaim God's great deeds during those feasts, during all the celebrations. And therefore, at those celebrations, the word of God had to be opened. At the Passover, the Father had to tell the children, this is why we celebrate. At the Feast of Booth, the Father had to tell the children, this is how God protected us throughout the desert. And there were many occasions during the year that the Father had to tell God wanted Israel to celebrate, but also to remember. Remember the great deeds of the Lord. Remember every week again on the Sabbath day. And that is what we say in the New Testament. We share in Christ's treasures and gifts. Christ obtained for us the salvation. Christ obtained for us the righteousness of faith. Christ obtained for us eternal life. And we share in Christ in all his treasures and gifts. And it has to be remembered. And you have to be reminded of that every Sunday again. And that's why we come to church. That's why Christ, why God wants to see his people. Because he wants to tell his people about his wonderful deeds. On Sunday, first day of the week. So that the other six days, God's people may go out and, and proclaim the praises of him who called them out of darkness. So that God would, pro- would be proclaimed in his world. And therefore we come together to remember 
That brings us to the second point, that we are united by Christ into his body. In answer 55, we read that everyone is duty-bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. And that is what we emphasize very often when we speak about the communion of saints, our duty towards our fellow members. But let us not forget that the first reason that God put us together as communion of saints is the first part of answer 55, that believers, all and everyone, as members of Christ, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. So we come together as his people, all and everyone, to have communion with Christ. As I said before, we are not as individualists part of his body, but we all, as communion of saints, we are part of his body. The church of Southern River is part of the body of Christ. All those who believe within the church of Southern River are brought together as communion of saints. And as communion of saints, we share in Christ in all his treasures and gifts. That's what we celebrate at the Lord's Supper, the feast of unity, unity of the body. But that's also what we remember every Sunday again when we come together body of Christ, sharing in all his treasures and gifts. And in the second place, God places us together because we need each other. And he, and he knows that we need each other because that is how he created us. And Christ did not leave the church alone when he ascended into heaven. Christ sent his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church. The communion of believers receives gifts as members of the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13, there we read, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So it must all serve to the unity of faith, to prepare the body for works of ministry, for works of serving. And that's important in the life of the Christian, to serve. To serve the body of Christ. To serve Christ. And that's the unity of faith, about which Lord Jesus also speaks in, in John 17. He speaks about being completely one not working against each other, not working for your own goal, but completely one, serving each other, helping each other, encouraging each other. And the unity of faith is being achieved, Paul says in Ephesians 4, when the body is being built up by the gifts which it has received. So the gift of God's word, the preaching of God's word is a gift to the congregation. The minister you, re you receive, the minister of the word, is a gift of God to the congregation. Not only his work, but his person as well. All that he does is given to you by God. A gift to the congregation. And this gift and many other gifts God is using to build up the unity in the body of Christ. And the congregation has received many gifts. Not only the preaching of God's word... But, but Paul mentions other gifts in, in 1 Corinthians 12 as well. And everyone has to use his own gifts for the congregation because he and his gifts, she and, and her gifts are given to the congregation by the Holy Spirit. You are part of the congregation. You are not part of a club, a club in which people come together to, to do certain things together, but at the end they go back home again and live their own life. 
Now you are the communion of saints, the body of Christ. You are entirely given to the body of Christ. And therefore you should be completely part of the body of Christ with all your gifts. There are differences in gifts. But God works all of those gifts. If God gives different gifts to the congregation, then that is because the congregation needs those different gifts. And therefore the congregation should also appreciate those gifts. And the hand cannot say to the foot, I do not need you. Or the eye cannot say to the ear, well, I'm gone because you don't need me. You can do it without me. Everyone is needed. Because God has a plan with the church. And within that plan, every gift has a place. And therefore we we shall give every gift a place. In John 17... Lord Jesus Christ in his prayer knew that unity is essential for the church for protection from the evil one. In John 17 verse 11 he speaks about as we are one the Father in him and he in the Father. And he speaks about a close, about intimate unity in which they are so close together that nothing can separate them. And that is how Christ wants us to be one as well, so closely bound together that nothing can separate us. Satan cannot divide us. And he cannot separate us from our head, Jesus Christ. And that is what happens when we use the gifts which Christ has given to the entire body and that we are becoming one in that, the unity of the true faith, using all the gifts which the Spirit has given to his congregation. And therefore, none of us should withhold his gifts from the congregation because if he does, or she does, make the church vulnerable for the attacks of Satan. If you decide that you should step back and not, so, not be so involved in the congregation, you endanger the congregation because God has given you to the congregation and the congregation to you so that we should be one. And together, one with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gives to the church all that we need. And all those gifts we will use for the benefit and well-being of the other members. So what are your gifts, brothers and sisters? Look at your own life. How can you serve the congregation? (coughs) What is needed in the congregation and how can you contribute to that? Or if you have gifts that nobody asks for, still think about it. How can you use those gifts? Talk to your elders, talk to your deacons. How can you use your gifts? They may know ways in which you can use your talents. Work on it. Because you are given to your congregation, to the communion of saints. And be faithful in your position. And the Holy Spirit will direct you how to use your talents and gifts for the well-being and benefit of the other members and for the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit will sanctify us and make us perfect. And that's what we see in the third place. We are redeemed by Christ to live as his body. Communion of saints means that as a communion of people are sanctified. People who have been made holy through the blood and the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without that, 
without being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, we would just be a club of sinners. Just like in the world, you have so many clubs of people who do things together, organizations for a certain purpose, and we wouldn't be more than that. But now, through the work of the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, we are much more, the church is much more in this world than any company or any association or any organization. The unity of the church here and all over the world, it's amazing. It surpasses any and every unity that this world can achieve. And therefore, there shall be constant thankfulness in the church for salvation. Salvation through Jesus Christ. Constant thankfulness for the work of the Holy Spirit who brings us together and unites us in faith, unites us with the body of Christ. The same Spirit who dwells in the head dwells in us as Christ's members. And it is this Spirit also who makes us humble. It is not about us in the church. It is not about us, our important position. It is not about me being such a strong leader. It's not about who is the head, who is the chairman, who is the CEO, or whatever of the church. No, it's all about Christ. He is the head. It's all about him. And we're all humble and humility. We let ourselves be gathered in a church. We let ourselves be united in a communion of saints. And we all serve the communion of saints. Because we are saints, we are holy, because of the work of Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit. Nothing in ourselves, but it's all the work of Christ. And therefore, any pride, any boasting in ourselves, any putting ourselves on a pedestal, is sin. In humility, we esteem the others more excellent than ourselves. In humility, we stand in this world. Not boasting that the church is so good, but boasting in our Lord that He is so good. Christ who gave himself up to save us. He wants this entire world to be saved. And therefore the church preaches this salvation to all nations and peoples. Brothers and sisters, do you want your neighbor to be saved? Or are you so cruel that you don't care about your neighbor, that you don't care about millions of people in Australia? Do you want your neighbor to be saved? Well, then you do something. And you show in your life how good it is to be a Christian. Then you're you humble. And when he asks you, then you explain. Now, we don't need to go out and tell everyone, but by our life, by our actions, by our deeds, by our attitudes, by our, our love, we will show to this world how good it is to be Christian. And therefore, we want to live Christian lives. Therefore, we want to show in our deeds, in our entire life, how good it is to belong to Jesus Christ. Can your neighbor see that you're a Christian? Can your neighbor find Christ through your godly way of life? As Lawson 32 says. What makes us different? There is not anything that's in ourselves. It all comes from God. It is his good pleasure to use us, to give us the forgiveness of sins, to renew us, to change our lives, so that we are going to live in this world our new lives. The body of Christ. The body of Christ in this world. Something so special. 
The world hasn't seen it before. They have lived in sin for many generations. And now in the end times, since the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, the body of Christ is spreading all over the world. And more and more people will see the body of Christ, the church. And are those people going to ask, what must I do to receive that life? Well, that is proclaiming the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, who called us out of sin, out of the power of sin, to be holy and blameless before him. Talk to your neighbor about sin. Do not hide their sin. Do not try to keep the peace by not talking about sin. But also, if you do talk about sin, do it gently. Do it with love. Do it carefully. Don't go in with your guns blazing. Hey, my neighbor, you are sinning, and if you don't repent, you go to hell. That's not the way of doing it. And even if it is your brother or sister in church, don't go to him and and tell him you are sinning against this commandment, and if you don't repent, you go to hell. Jesus Christ teaches differently. Let your speech be gentle, seasoned with salt. Be careful how you speak. In Matthew 18, the Lord Jesus says, if your neighbor sins against you, go to him, tell him his fault. Don't tell him that he is a sinner and that he must repent, but tell him his fault. That is what it starts with. So that he may come to the conclusion that he is a sinner and has to repent. And if that doesn't work, yes, indeed, then then other things have to happen. But first, teach him, instruct him, so that he may discover his fault. And that's the way you talk to people. And that's the way you show love. You show care for them. That's the way you show them the love of Christ. Christ who does not want anyone to perish. And if this is our attitude, an attitude of love, an attitude of of desiring to share our riches, not desiring to condemn or to judge, but desiring to, to share in the joy of faith. Well, that makes life beautiful for you and for the other. God will graciously grant us the righteousness in Christ. Graciously. That I may never come into condemnation. And that is a beautiful gospel. That is a gospel for us. That's a gospel for our neighbor. And that's the task of the church in this world. A communion of saints, those who are saved from the power of sin, who have the forgiveness of sins, they proclaim the praises of God in this world. The gospel of salvation. There's no salvation without this gospel. But we are eager to spread this gospel so that many may come to join the church and receive salvation. There is no better place to be than where this gospel is proclaimed. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing in response to God's word from Him 52, the verses 3, 4, and 5.
Brothers and sisters, let us not pray. Our Father in heaven, almighty God, again we go before you and we humble ourselves before you. Father, we know ourselves. We know that we need salvation. We need forgiveness of sins to come before you. We cannot be holy before you if you don't give us the holiness through your Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you that you give us the forgiveness of sins which your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, obtained for us. That through your Spirit we may receive it in faith. And by faith we may be grafted into Christ, be members of his body. And Father, give us then that we are faithful in his life in all that we do. That we are faithful in the way we live. Faithful also in the way we stand in this world. And may give a testimony to this world by our deeds, by our entire life. And will you then use us to win our neighbor for Christ. Father, give us also that we show our care to our brothers and sisters within the communion of saints. That we use all the talents, all the treasures and gifts which we have received for the well-being and benefits of the other members. That we may surround each other with our care. That we may comfort each other. That nobody in the congregation lives uncomforted under the pressure of loneliness, sickness, or poverty. And Father, give us then that if we are in such a situation that we may find our comfort in being part of your communion of saints, and that with your communion of saints we may share in Christ and all his benefits. Father, be then with our brothers and sisters everywhere on this earth. We know that you're gathering your church all over the world, your holy Catholic church, even in places where we don't even know of or we haven't even heard about. But we know of many brothers and sisters all over the world, many churches all over the world. Father, give us then that whenever you put them on our path, that we are willing to reach out and to share also with them in the joys of faith and help them also with all our gifts and talents. Father, we pray for the churches for which we may give our offerings to South African needy churches. Be with them as well, that they may be blessed by our support. Father, we pray for the preaching of your word all over the world wherever your church comes together on this first day of the week, that your word may be proclaimed, that your word may go out to many who, do, who haven't heard it, that many may believe it, their hearts may be opened, that they may receive it in faith and by faith be saved and become part of Christ's body. Bless all the work of mission, that also that may continue wherever that takes place. Father, break all the resistance of Satan, against the preaching of your word. So that your word may keep going all over the earth and that all peoples and nations may be reached with your gospel and that many may come to repentance and to faith. And may you then work towards the day that all those who are chosen to everlasting life will be called and will be joined to your church. For that that great day May your Son will return in glory on the clouds of heaven. And we look forward to that great day. Father, we pray this all in his name. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, you may now give your sacrifices of thankfulness for the South African needy churches. And after your offerings have been taken, let us then sing together from Psalm 122. Pray that Jerusalem be blessed. May peace prevail within your walls. Psalm 122, verse 3. and sisters receive the blessing of the Lord and depart in peace.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.